Hi and welcome once again to our daily devotional broadcast. Today we want to talk about our yearning for God and what could distract us and derail us from really finding God. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 to 12. Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 to 12. And let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you give us instructions that lead us to life. So God, today as we read this passage and as we reflect on it, we pray that the teachings that you give to us today may continue in our minds and hearts always as we seek after you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 to 12. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who receives, who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds until the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good gifts, give good gifts to those who ask him? So, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Over the past few years, I've often been asked this difficult question. Pastor, do you think that homosexuality is sin? And I want to ask back each person who asked the question, are you planning to be homosexual? Are you a homosexual? If you're not, then why ask this question? Why not leave the homosexuals to ask God this question? Because there are so many more pressing questions that you and I need to ask. For example, isn't it more important to ask, is it sin to be angry with my brother? Is it sin to swear and curse at my brother and call him a fool? Is it sin to look lustfully at another woman or wish that I had married a different husband? Is it sin to spend all my time amassing wealth? Is it sin holding on to my wealth when there are needy people and hungry people all around me? Is it sin to keep all the time that I have to myself and spend it on my own pursuits, neglecting those who need my help? Shouldn't these be the more important questions that we should ask because they are pertinent to us because they're important to us. There is a danger for the church universal. 
that we keep looking at the sins of others that have little to do with our own lives. One of the reasons why we, the church goes so much against homosexuals is because us heterosexuals will never have that problem. It's one sin that will never affect us because we're wired heterosexual. Question then is, how does it help a person or help ourselves when we look at the sins of others and refuse to look at our own sin? Well, there are two problems with this. First, no one is ever helped by being criticised by another. Let's take note of this, that when we keep looking at another person's fault and telling that person how wrong he or she is, the person is highly unlikely to change. And this is a very important principle for us as husbands, wives and parents. So often as a husband, I look at my wife and see all her faults <clears throat> and I keep telling her what her faults are and you must change here and you must change there. And she looks back at me and says, and thinks to herself, what do I want to change into? You? Do I really want to be like Ming Li, that monster? Because if we refuse to look at our own sin, refuse to change and let God change us, what incentive does the other person have to change? What do they change into? So often, as husbands and wives, we press our spouses to change here and there. We nag them to change. And in so doing, we refuse to look at our own sin and our need for change ourselves. The person then who is being criticised looks back and says, change into what? You know, I've spoken to children and youth and one of the main problems is role modelling. The parents keep telling them, nagging them and scolding them, you must go to church, you mustn't have this, you mustn't have that, you don't join bad company, you must be a good Christian. And the children look back and say, and think to themselves, but why do I want your God? When all that your God makes of you is that you're mean, you're selfish, you're dishonest, you fight with my father, you fight with my mother all day long. What incentive do I have to change? You see, when we keep looking at another person's faults, we fail to see ours, we fail to see how ugly we are. And because of that, the ones we want changed cannot change. And that is the problem with us as a church as well. We condemn groups of people who have sins that we don't have. We look at prisoners and say they're terrible people because we don't end up in prison. We look at homosexuals and say these are immoral because we'll never be homosexual. We look at the people who, who steal and we say how dishonest. But we who are rich don't need to steal because we have more legal ways of doing it. But does that make us any better than they? It simply is that our sins are not condemned by ourselves, but we continue in those sins and we remain ugly. We cannot change another person by looking at their faults. We must first look at our faults. And as we change as the life of Christ, the love of Christ flows to us, then those looking on will say, hey, this is something better that I want. This is the kind of person I want. This is the kind of father I want to be, the mother that I long to emulate. And then they change. So as a church then, 
let's look at our own faults. But you know there is, and hence, Jesus says very clearly, do not, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your, your eye, and all the time there is a plank in your own eye? First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly. But there is a second reason why we should not be looking at others, other people's sins and missing out on our own. And that is that when there is sin in ourselves, we cannot receive the love of Christ. When we keep looking at all the other people's sins and we neglect our own sin, then we neglect ourselves. You see, I can, I can liken sin to be like the gunk, that dirty stuff in our pipes. That our lives are like channels, our lives are like pipes for the fresh water of God's love and God's goodness to flow through us to refresh us and to refresh others. And so each of us is like a pipe. And sin is like the gunk that blocks the fresh water from flowing. It dirties the water, it blocks the water from coming. And our aim to know God to experience His love, to be a channel of God's love, is to remove, for, to let God remove the gunk, the sin from us. But if we spend all our time looking at somebody else's sin, then our own pipes, our own lives are neglected. We cannot draw close to God. And hence Jesus gives this very severe warning, do not give dogs what is sacred, do not throw your pearls to pigs, if you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear them, tear, tear you to pieces. See, the dogs, the treasure, the things that are sacred, the pearls, are the times when we think of God, the times when we talk about God, the times when we talk about godly things. But what do we spend these precious times on? If we were to spend this precious time knowing God, then we are fed and we are nourished. But if we, are, we, throw, we put all our precious time with God in our Bible study, in our church, and we spend all that time on something that is destructive, useless, we spend that time talking about other people's sins, then this is mutually destructive. It will come back to bite us because we who judge another person will be judged the same way. If all I do is to keep looking at somebody else's sin, first, it's not going to help me. It's not going to benefit anyone. But, but worse than that, it turns back against us and we become a church that is constantly at war with itself because we judge one another. If our hunger is for God, our desire is to know God, then we put all that is sacred, all that time that's precious to helping us find God. Do you know how much time we spend thinking about God? Actually, we do quite a bit. Every Sunday, we come to church. Sometimes we watch several online services. Maybe once a week, once a fortnight, we meet as a disciple small group and we study the Word of God. Maybe at each day we, we do a quiet time, we read articles about God. We do spend quite a lot of time on God. But if all of that precious sacred time 
is spent not seeking after God, but thinking about the sins of others, the faults of others, then indeed we have done, we've not only wasted our time, wasted that precious commodity, but we have also turned it into destruction as it comes back to hit, to bite at us. Do not put sacred things, give sacred things to useless pursuits. Use it to satisfy the longing in your heart, which is to know God, to have that dirt within us cleansed that God's love and God's goodness can flow through us. And this is the hope we have. It's not a hopeless pursuit, it's a, something of great hope because Jesus says in verse 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Here Jesus is saying, God is so available to us. God is so open. God delights to be found by us. But we must want Him. We cannot use Him casually and say, Well, early in the morning, maybe I finish my duties of quiet time for 15 minutes and that's it. It's not the length of time, it's the desire during that time. Do you really seek God? Seek God to come to give you fullness of life, to give you a joy inexpressible, to put your heart at peace. Do you long to have a family that is loving, that is godly? If that is so, then ask God for it. Seek after Him. Sometimes it takes time and determination. It takes a will that says, God, I will find you until I will not stop looking until I find you. And God, if it takes a long time, I will take that long time. If it takes a lot of effort, then I'll take all the effort just to find you and to know you. And I wouldn't stop knocking on the door and asking. You know when we have that desire and that perseverance, that sense that I will not let you go until you come and speak to me, until you come and fill me with your spirit, I will continue pursuing you. It is with that determination and that yearning that God pours himself into you and you discover how easy it is to know God when you really want Him. God says, if you will seek me, you will find me. If you will search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you. That is the hope that we have. And then God gives, Jesus then gives that simple analogy. If you hunger, if a son is hungry and asks for bread, will God give him something else, a stone? If he asks for fish, will God give him a snake? Of course not. If you are hungry for God, God will give you the things that will satisfy your hunger, for sure. You know, this passage about asking and knock is not about asking for a mansion, a big house, or a Rolls Royce. These are things that will not satisfy your hunger. But if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, if you hunger and thirst for love, if you hunger and thirst for compassion, if you hunger and thirst for joy, if you hunger and thirst to know the Almighty God who loves you. These are the things that God will give to you freely. But Jesus ends with stern warning again. He says in verse 22, verse 12, 
So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. If you then want to seek God without anyone judging you for your sin, but rather each person coming around you, encouraging you and praying for you, helping you to know God, then extend that same love to another person. If someone, no matter what his sin or her sin, no matter how great that sin is, comes to you and wants to seek God, do not look at that person and say, wow, you're not worthy, you're such a great sinner. Look at your sin. But rather extend that same kindness that you would want someone to extend to you and say, let us come to know God ourselves. You are a sinner, so am I. You are filled with sin, so am I. But we have one desire together. We want to know God together. And so this is the church that we all long for. A church that receives people of any kind of sin. And we don't look at them and say, really, can this sinner go to heaven? But rather we say, let us press on to know the Lord. I pray that our church will be filled with sinners of all kinds. It will be a messy business. It will be very, very messy. But it will be a joyful thing when each of us with a hunger for God come to God and say, God, clean me up slowly, clean me up gradually, but clean me up so that your love can flow through me. I can be refreshed every day, and not only me, but those around me can be refreshed every day. That's what we see a church to be. Let us pray. Father, you draw us to yourself with your love, with your promises. Promises of a life where rivers of living water flow right from within us. Where water come forth and we will thirst no more. Father, these are the promises you've given to us. That early in the morning we will rise and we will hear your voice and you will hear our voice of joy. Not hearts that are burdened and heavily troubled, but hearts that are able to let you take our burdens while we take your yoke. Father, throughout your Bible, you promise us joy, joy, exceeding joy, and peace unspeakable. You make these promises to us, not empty promises, but promises of truth. That each morning we begin wake up joyful, looking forward to a day of knowing you, a day of walking with you, a day of being a blessing to others. That's the kind of life you have promised to us. And God, teach us to yearn for this kind of life. Teach us then, Lord, to look at the things that stop us from being like this, from the sin in us that clogs the channels and prevents your living water from flowing through us. And then, Lord, to turn to you to clean us. But only us first, Lord, not someone else. Until you have cleaned us, then we can turn and pray for another whom we love. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray then that today you will have a really good day. 
that you experience so much of God's blessings and you'll be a blessing to others as well. Talk to you again tomorrow. Goodbye.